0: to the seventh episode of the Babbling Heads Podcast. You yeah, have myself, Perspective, we've got Nantel, Shaq is a ghost mm-hmm. today. No, no, Shaq is busy <laughs> with some stuff, he's not here today. Yeah, we've, got a, we've got a very special guest, and I, I'm going to leave that to Nantel to our, our introduce. Our um, guest. So, um, yeah, we've got a guest
1: called uh, Lesno, and um, dude, it is... For me, it's an honor to have you here. Um, I know I spoke to you about the podcast and I did, uh, the idea for 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 some time, and mm. you've always been the first one that I've wanted to be on the on the on the um, on the podcast.
2: I appreciate that. Man.
1: Reason being, um, you know, Epop it works it works like it's it's is a box, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, it has become a box. And everybody in the box, is they, they're wearing uh, avatars. Mm-hmm. And the more uh, fame you accumulate and the more um, notoriety you accumulate on your avatar, the more valuable you seem to the people in the box. Mm-hmm. And you and the, the spot podcast is actually to get out of the box, man. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And you embody for me um, somebody that... That it sees the, the box but just don't give a fuck about the box <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's that's part of the reason why i wanted you to be the first guy the first guest mm. on the podcast um yeah
2: hey thank you very much nance i really appreciate that cool man. Man, cool
1: man. um i have to warn you i've got some videos <laughs> yeah, lined yeah up <laughs> in footage yeah so, so some footage that i got from you okay um of you and um yeah we can we can go through it and you can explain yeah, where yeah. you were because i'm interested in your journey not just mm. musically um your journey physically we, we went to peru and start st- i think it was four or k- how many countries in a year
2: uh peru colombia brazil holland czech south africa
1: But not just that, uh, the the, the journey inward. Mm. I'm really interested Mm. in that also. So I think if you can just introduce yourself. Do you want to play the clip Uh, first? I think introduce yourself and while you you, uh, introduce yourself, I'll get the clip.
2: Okay. Well, um, I'm Laszlo. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everybody. It's uh, funny what you said about the journey inward. Because this is like really... Interesting indeed, like this division that we make between inwards and outward, right? Like to illustrate, for instance, like there is no inside or outside, right? Because right now, every single thing that you are seeing around you is literally light, that's bouncing off surfaces going into your eye, and the picture is getting made in your head. See, so I am not here. I am inside of you. Mm. Here, I am inside your system. So there is no difference between an inner journey and an outer journey. It's all just one. You so go on that, an outer that, journey, mm-hmm. you go on an inner journey, you go on an inner journey, you end up going on an outer journey. And that outer journey will lead to an inner journey. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that <laughs> aspect, exactly
0: of yeah, exactly. aspect of duality. Yeah, exactly. I was, was going to play the
1: yeah. video just to, to show people that um, you've got to you drop truth bombs. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but then you just drop one now? So <laughs>
2: yeah. you... Hey, I'm Laz. <laughs> I was just chatting with a friend. And one of these insights... I would love, love to share with you. You see, the reason why the very things that you desire most from the very bottom of your heart are maybe not flowing to you as easily and effortlessly as you would love them to flow to you. And this reason is all here. It's your own mindset, your own mental conditioning, your own thought patterns that are in essence forming gates that are blocking the way. You see, source itself is a omnipotent, unstoppable, bottomless source of energy that can be fashioned into whatever manifestations you want to have in your life and delivers it right to your doorstep. If only you are open to it all. Now, in order to be open to it all, it's like if you want to phone me, you got to dial my number, man. You can't be connected with me if you phone a different number. So in order to connect with Source, you've got to be on the same wavelength. you got to be in the same state of being. However, Source is in a state of oneness. And we are in a state of duality. Now, this obviously does not connect. Because when we are in a state of duality, then we have beliefs such as there is sufficient, there is insufficient. They are rich. I am poor, this is easy, this is hard work, (laughs) this is going to come to me quick, this is going to take a long time and uh, Source just listens to you man. And this is what makes it so difficult. So to serve yourself most and to serve your highest purpose as efficiently as possible, you have to let go of these limiting belief patterns. You have to be centered in the non-polaristic slash non-dualistic state of oneness. <laughs> I don't blame you, though, because uh, it's tricky, you know. I mean, society at large and, cultural and with cultural conditioning... <laughs> Wants, uh, wants you to stay in the state of duality. And they work really, really hard at it. Um, for example, they will have you root for opposing teams. You know, They will have two teams play against one another in a sport match, and they want you to root for this one and be against that one. That gets you centered in duality. For example, consumerism, Coca-Cola and Pepsi, they even colored opposing colors on the, on the color spectrum, blue and red, they want you with every single advertisement to go for one, spend your hard-earned money on that, hard-earned, <laughs> and uh, neglect the other one. Same thing with politics. Let's say in the U.S., Republicans and Democrats, once again, blue and red, <laughs> opposing colors, keeps you centered in duality. So distance yourself from all these culturally imposed belief systems and ideologies which do not serve you, okay? I know they're nicely packaged in terms of this is fun, this is entertaining, this is uh, nice, you know, this is something that helps you enjoy life, but it's not that way, man. If you want to enjoy life, you got to be in a non-dualistic mindset so that everything that you want can flow to you freely without you having these gates in the forms of Thought patterns, belief systems, and uh, mental (laughs) ideas that are uh, shutting down in front of whatever wants to flow to you. You just got to be, man. You just got to be and let it come to you. There's nothing that you have to do. There are just things that you have to not do. You check what I'm saying? Well, I wish you much, much abundance. I wish you much love. Be centered. non-polarity. Be sensitive oneness, be one with all, and the one will send everything to the one. <laughs> much, much love. Peace out. Hey, I'm Laz.
0: It's that comment says as well. It's that comment says the present the present is a gift and I just want to be. Up on mm. the B album, the first song. Um yeah, you you hit the nail on the head.
2: Mm thank you it's quite a long video man i (laughs) didn't remember it being that long (laughs) but i I
0: think at least now the 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 listeners and the viewers has got like a certain uh perspective no pun intended (laughs) of what's in them of 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 who you are or where you are now in your journey Mm. but can you take us back Mm. to where it started i think we both met you as as a hip-hop artist as Mm. a graphic designer going by the name of Cicatrix, and now that alias no longer exists so can mm. you take the listener to that beginning and that?
2: Because mm. I
0: think that's the journey that we've been speaking about.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think cicatrix just does still exist somewhere, except uh, I'm no longer sticking that label on me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I can't have been building it for so long for it to suddenly be gone, you know? I mean, all the music is still there, the energy I put into it is somewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's still there somewhere. But um to start from the story, I mean, all the way back. So... Um, I was, I was born in Holland, maybe it's a bit too far back, but uh, just for fine. the story, the was born in Holland, then um, nine days old, we moved to Sudan, to Darfur, stayed in the middle of the deserts in Darfur, of course, my father's an anthropologist, so we would travel with him sometimes when he had to go work somewhere. Stayed in um, the deserts in Darfur for about uh, one and a half years, a year. I mean, didn't have any electricity we had a fridge that ran on gas people had to come bring us water in bags on their mules you know sure. so really living out in the middle of nowhere in this little village we were the only white family staying there these people had never seen a white blonde baby before you know <laughs> so everybody coming to my mom like "Ooh, what is this <laughs> And um, then eventually we had to leave because the rebel forces started becoming a bit active and they were targeting white people, especially. Um, um, about what year was this? This was 1990. Okay, yeah. And um, now they were targeting white people, especially, and we were only white people in the Mm. village. So how are we (laughs) going (laughs) to (laughs) hide? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we decided uh, to go somewhere. We went to Kenya for a little bit and eventually came back to Holland. But um, in Holland, there was always this feeling like it's not home. Okay. you know it's like a concrete jungle people packed really on top of each other and because things are so closely condensed it's almost like their personalities are condensed <laughs> uh, <I agree> <laughs> if this makes sense mm. you know and um it just didn't feel like home anyway so after um that we ended up moving uh, to vietnam stayed in vietnam for some while stayed in uh, thailand vietnam lived there about two years thailand's so a little bit shorter and eventually went to um, Sierra Leone, Malawi, Cambodia. Cambodia started high school. I no, started primary school in Cambodia. Sorry, primary school in Vietnam, then continue primary school in Cambodia, then high school in Ghana, and um, eventually came to South Africa. You know, So through that whole journey, which was mostly in Africa and Asia, I mean, one thing that I really noticed is like my dad is a complete atheist, right? If you cannot um, see it, then there's no purpose Mm -hmm. for it. It doesn't exist. Okay. So this is the same way that I grew up as well, you know, being very uh, realist, very uh, atheistic. But then I went traveling through all these poor countries and I started to see like here I come from Holland where people have so much and they're not happy here. People have so little, but they are happy. You know, so what is it that makes them happy? And I started to talk with the people and every single person started talking to me about God. Yeah. So then I thought like, yeah, but if something that I cannot see doesn't contribute to my life, the way that my father has instilled in me as belief, then how come these people seem to only have God and yet is contributing so much to their life, you know? So that's kind of like shifted something in me a little bit. And I uh, just started to look more consciously at uh, things. And then eventually I met this girl, and this girl was Jehovah's Witness, right? And this was, uh, man, I was crazy about this girl. And the father had this thing of I had to study the Bible for two hours with him, then I could see his daughter for half an hour. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) And (laughs) And even more so, whenever we would all be talking together, I mean, the father and mother of this girl would keep going on with reasons from the Bible as to why we cannot be together. And the only reason they would listen to is reasoning from the Bible as to why we could be together. So I started to learn the entire Bible to basically defend our relationship Mm -hmm. (laughs) and to keep things good. And um, then the more I got into that, the the more I started to see, like, you know, there's a whole lot more about this than I ever realized. And then eventually that relationship ended because I realized this is not my path, you know, it's not my thing. It's too closely knit of uh, a classroom in essence you know each single religion being a different classroom that people can learn through was this in south africa yeah this was in south africa yeah so then eventually i left the religion but then i had this thing of like now i've studied this so i can't not study anything else i'm going to be lopsided as a mofo Mm -hmm. you know so i then thought okay well this was a monotheistic religion namely meaning that they believe in one god so let me first start studying the other monotheistic religions so i went to judaism and i went to islam you know the two other main monotheistic religions started studying those in terms of uh, Islam started reading the Quran made some Muslim friends that had discussions with and in terms of um, uh, Judaism I started studying the Kabbalah Mm -hmm. and then um, you know so like more and more growth came and then I started to think yeah but these monotheistic religions I mean most of all cause the most shit in the world Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah
2: and it makes sense because if I believe my God is the only real God and you come along and you say, yeah, but there's this God. I'm yeah. going to say, ah, blasphemy." me. <laughs>
0: yeah. no coexistence.
2: Yeah. Whereas if I believe that there's many gods, like Hinduism, for example, it doesn't matter if you come with a new God. It's like, hey, I didn't know that one yet. We <laughs> <laughs> learned you know? that one. Yeah, we mm-hmm. learned that one. You know? So it's fine. And then because of this, I kind of started to expand more into the Eastern uh Eastern traditions, you know, the Eastern philosophies. So I started to look more into Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, uh, Zen. And then all these things just uh, came together. And then um, my research eventually led me to a a very inspiring gentleman by the name of Terence McKenna. Terence, uh, Terence McKenna is an ethnobotanist, indeed, studies the relationships between the evolution of mankind mm-hmm. and uh, the effects of psychedelic plants, psychoactive plants, and how they integrate into different cultures. And how those cultures ended up growing as a result. So I started studying his work, And he has this thing that he talks about a heroic dose on mushrooms, right? Mm -hmm. Psilocybin commensis mushrooms and the exact way to do it, Mm -hmm. which is 2.15 a.m. in a completely black room. You take five grams of mushrooms on an empty stomach, eat them dry without anything. You have joints lined up. Then at 3 a.m. you start smoking weed like crazy. And then the weed causes the psilocybin to be set off and you go.
0: Isn't that like the God Hour as well? Like what they refer to as the God Hour?
2: Yeah, yeah. In essence, the barrier between Earth and the cosmos is the thinnest at during s- that 3 a.m.? time. No, between two thirty and about three thirty, four oh, a.m.
0: Never knew that. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, this is also why many writers, really inspirational writers, yeah. they do, write during this time.
1: I do my best thinking that time because eh? I sleep at I mm. sleep, sleep weird hours, and that's a time where mm. I'm. At most of the pieces that do clear thinking right? yeah, time, time yeah. there's
0: times as well where i would be making if if i'm awake at that time and i'm making beats would most of the times be the best things that i've been making
2: yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. also for me for writing lyrics meditation yeah. yoga for everything and it's first of all because this uh, layer between earth and the cosmos is thinner right but also if you look at every single living being like a biological antenna Mm-hmm. Right. If you are the only antenna that's awake and all the other antennas are asleep, it's mm-hmm. going to be easier for you to pick up information from the cosmos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're the only active antenna at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so I did this ceremony, and this was now one of my first proper psychedelic experiences. You know, because mm-hmm. I thought I don't just want to take it and party and do this mm-hmm. and that. I mean, like I can explore this world when I'm sober. Yeah. You know, I want to explore something else, something deeper. So I had this experience with the five grams of uh, mushroom, which was a really, really um, interesting experience. And um, do you wanna hear the experience? Yeah, it oh, Yeah? We've got time. Okay. You're the guest today, so it's <laughs> all you. Okay, for sure. I will share. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so I was sitting in this room um, uh, in an apartment in Cape Town, all right? in uh, what used to be District 6.
0: Mm.
2: And um, my girlfriend was sleeping in the bedroom. And I was sitting in this room completely, everything black, eat my five grams of mushrooms. And now I'm meditating, waiting for 3 a.m. so I can start smoking. But I started to have this feeling like I'm looking around this black room and I started to feel uncomfortable, you know, like I have no idea what's going to pop up or what's going to happen. So I thought, nah, this is not a good start to a journey. I need to make myself comfortable and then I can go. So I thought, screw this. I'm going to go lay in the bed next to my girlfriend, till lights off, you know, and then I'll start smoking at 3 a.m. Then at least I'll be next to her. I'll be easy. I'll see what happens. So I uh, did this and 3 a.m. came, you know, started smoking, went back into meditation after smoking. And since I've been a kid, what happens when I focus is there's a... a black screen everything is black then I kind of see like spots coming together and eventually these different color spots come together in a coherent vision Mm. so it's either like a place or a person but usually it's a whole scene with people included Mm. and um, I was expecting the same thing to happen but instead I mean especially because I'm a mushrooms you know I thought the same thing would happen just more hectic and instead there was just this completely dark this darkness not even like black but like a black ink and I'm looking at this black ink, thinking like, why is nothing happening, man? Like, I'm just staring at blackness. You know, like, What is this? And eventually, these two drops, they fall in this black ink, like uh, almost like this clear, light blue, gooey liquid that's dropping in ink, two drops, bloop, bloop. And as they drop, they stay in place. They start to come closer and closer to me. Was this an open uh, eye experience? or you- This was still a close, eye. close okay. eye. And they come closer and closer to me. They turn into lines. As they come closer, I see these are not dots or lines, right? It was two long beings. They were sitting like this long, elongated head, no nose, just slits in the front of their head, no lips, but they had a mouth, you know? Also, bigger eyes than ours, but not as big as the greys that they describe as having these giant eyes, you know? Like a grey, light bluish skin really long slender bodies and they're sitting on these chairs, floating chairs with really big backrest and solid armrests on the side. And they're sitting and they flow up to me and I notice these beings are glowing, right? Hence why from far away it just looked like two lines coming towards me because this light was blinding me. Mm. And uh, as soon as I realize I'm chilling with these two beings, they say to me, we've been waiting for these events to aspire, we've got something to show you, right? Mm And the first thing I think is, oh, what are you going to show me? I don't want to die. <laughs> 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 and before I even finish this thought, they say to me, don't worry. You're not going to die. You know." And this communication that's happening is taking place. I suppose telepathically is the best word you can use to describe it, because they weren't moving. I wasn't moving, but I could feel their thoughts coming into mm-hmm. my mind, being translated into what I could understand. There was no speech. There so was no said. speech mm-hmm. at all, No. But it was also not direct communication in terms of them putting English thoughts into my head. They were sending me signals, my brain translated to English, and so I understood. And um, as soon as, uh, so they told me, you know, it's okay, you're not going to die, you're going to be all right. Now, the next thing that I'm thinking is, well, but now uh, will I be back? Even if I don't die, I still want to be back. Mm. They say, don't worry, you'll be back. You can tell your girl that you're leaving now, or you can tell her when you're back, you know, whatever you feel. Now I'm thinking, okay, I at least got to tell my girlfriend I'm going to go somewhere. Just now she wakes up, she sees me passed out. I'm not replying, you know, like she's going to start panicking. But then I think if I open my eyes now, am I going to come back to this deep space that that I'm in, right? And they said, don't worry, don't worry, open your eyes, you'll be back here. And this was so striking. I closed my eyes and I saw them. When I opened my eyes, I was completely sober in my room. The curtains weren't waving, no patterns, no nothing, just completely sober on five grams of shrooms.
0: So I just start with I want to get back to
2: that point, but mm-hmm. continue.
0: I just, just remind me, I've got something to ask you about that. Okay, for sure. Okay.
2: And um I like I sit there and I open, and close my eyes like a few times, you know, just mesmerize experience because I mean I close my eyes, it's ink with these two blue beings floating, and I open my eyes and I'm in the room feeling completely sober, you know, literally tuk tuk tuk, tuk yeah. And um, so I, you know, tapped my girlfriend. I tell her, "Look, there's these two beings here. They say uh, they have something to show me. So I'm gonna go somewhere. You know, don't panic. I'll be back. I'm just letting you know so that if you try to wake me or something, I'm out. Like I'm not here." And um, she's like, "Oh, okay, cool." You know, went back to sleep. wasn't really that interested, but I had to just, you know, warn her. <laughs> <laughs> and as uh, soon as I closed my eyes again, I saw these two beings, and uh, I told him, "I'm ready." and this black ink went away i found myself in a completely new space which was um a room where i was laying on an operating table and you know the the patterns from the matrix that are black with green numbers yes, flowing yes, down yes, yes, yes. everything around me including me was a dark blue with light blue numbers coming down not numbers like patterns you mm-hmm. know from some other language and um so i looked down at my body and Everything was like this, you know, this is blue streaming energy. And I'm laying on this uh, operating bed, and I see it's like it looks like a type of a hospital scene or some mm-hmm. kind of took me aback. And next to me, there were these three beings standing one tall one and two short ones. And the tall one kind of ran this. Uh, It looked like uh, like an energetic remote control. (laughs) It's like this device, also made out of this blue streaming energy, runs it from top to bottom, up and down. As it, I don't know if it's a he or a she, as it does this, I feel this ball going through my spine, up and down. And later on, when I came back, my girlfriend said my body was like a snake, like it was going in bed. Anyway, once this uh, it is done with that puts this device away. One of the shorter beings takes uh, its hands, goes into my solar plexus, opens me up. And um, the other being goes to the corner of the room, to this cupboard, I guess you can call it, and uh, takes out this blue orb. And it comes back to me. He says, this is to guide you so you know where to go. And they put this orb into my solar plexus and close me up. As soon as they close me up, that space disappeared. I blink around again, and I'm again in this completely black space. But this time, it's not a black space like uh, ink, like for lack of a better description, like previously. But it's a black space like a real physical space. Okay. you know. So I'm looking around, and my vision is blurry. So I'm kind of like blinking a few times, and I'm feeling weird as well. I'm feeling like weightless. Mm-hmm. And I blink a few times, and I see like these pieces floating around me, and I get my vision clear, and I see it's pieces of metal that are floating around me. Then I look in the distance and maybe about 100, 200 meters away from me, there's this massive broken satellite flying through space. And then I look down. Well, you can't call it down because you're in space. There's no down, up, left, right. It's just, okay, I looked at my feet (laughs) and I noticed this long purple cord going from my chest down to Earth to South Africa through the astral projection into my head yeah exactly and once I realized that like I'm in space this is where it really started to get interesting (laughs) because once I was in space I um, got drawn into this other space and for my feeling I was there for two weeks like time just became time
0: doesn't exist in like, like as we know it yeah so two weeks would be two seconds
2: Exactly. It could be. I was there for two weeks, and I was, at this time, I just called him a blue guy. I had no idea who this guy was. I just said, I was there talking with this blue guy, right, in this void for two weeks, and he was teaching me all this stuff, you know, just conveying information, downloading stuff into my mind, into my system. And whilst I was there, right, before I started this whole trip, I set up all my recording equipment at home. Because I thought if I want to say something or I need to like register something, then at least my mic is standing there. I don't need to wake up, right down, I can just speak while I'm in this trance and I'll listen to it back when I'm back here. So I had everything set up. Now whilst I was in that space talking to the blue guy, right, a different being came into my body and recorded two hours of audio on this laptop. That's what I was gonna ask now, like
0: <laughs> if you are having an out of body experience of the sea as the projection. Um, and you're having these beings or energy speaking to you um, and you're supposed to be in a certain level of sleep, how are you then speaking? But okay, Mm. kind of like answered the question which I was going to ask now, like how does that happen?
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but you can speak on many different levels, man. You know, I mean, we have the physical level, the astral level, mental level, emotional level, etheric level, and then you have the causal level and then above Mm -hmm. all of that, the source. Yeah, You know, all of these are different dimensions that we exist on. And on each single dimension, you can speak. Yeah, but
0: you had you the, the, the recording, or you had the mic set up yeah. to record. And oh,
2: again, whereas I was out. Yeah, you were out. I see.
0: But then you said like this other being then yes. entered your body and then the recording took place. So it wasn't technically you as, in, let's say, Laszlo now speaking. It was somebody speaking for you yes which is technically also you okay i've got a sense of it myself (laughs) as well but
2: and and the funny thing is this thing addressed me as laszlo speaking as something to me and this entire recording was about how planet earth will go on regardless you know even if there's only five trees left after we destroy everything else these five trees will just repopulate and in millions of years the earth will be green again so it's not about saving Earth for the mm-hmm. sake of Earth. It's about saving Earth for the sake of us. Because yeah. if we stay the cancer, then the cancer is going to get mm-hmm. chemo. It's yeah, going to exactly. get out. And this was what this recording was about, and about how I can, in essence, help this uh, expansion of awareness take place on planet Earth through my music. Okay. Right. So it was like instructions, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, once I came out of this space, I, uh, I basically, I came back into my body, and I was so shocked that I was back. As you started to yell out things in Dutch, <laughs> you know, my, 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 birth language. I just started mm-hmm. to yell out things automatically, like Ah, I come like, back. Ik ben terug. Ik ben terug. <laughs> <laughs> And um, girlfriend uh, shot awake. And but now that this had happened, I started to get this really uncomfortable feeling, like what I just did we are not supposed to do and we are not even supposed to know that we can do it mm-hmm. because it gives us too much power yeah right because i mean if you can go travel to outer space and communicate with any enlightened being and what can the government do yeah
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> i think they it go- also it, it, it lends itself to that thought of like you were talking about monotheistic uh, religions earlier on like and that would be one of my, 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 my questions later on. It's like, what's your take on religion and spirituality? Mm. I said, like, I've always seen, especially the monotheistic religions, as suppressing the, the ability for people to know who they actually are, or beings, mm-hmm. human beings, to actually know who they actually are. Where spirituality is more that, I won't say technically direct link, but it is a link to make you understand, you know what, you and the source are kind of one. Mm. Yeah, I, in that clip, you also said the one. Um, you're waiting for the one to talk to the one because, in the, in essence, that's what we are. We're not separate of anything else. Mm. We're all together. Yes, I'm. Yeah. I'm trying
1: to understand your experience, and how it links to my experience with on on psilocybin, uh-huh. where my I have mean, never done a heroic uh, dosage, but my experience is um, it was inward. It was. It was by the way. um my reason for getting out of, of um, my depression, okay. I, 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 I attributed to to, to psilocybin. Okay. Um,
2: so you got out of your depression. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, but mine was more. I could see. I could see the dimensions flutter. Mm. If it makes sense, and I and I can't explain it really. I could just see that there is more than. In this realm but mm. but i'm trying to figure out if you went to outer space right was it in the same dimension that but we all oh, or, or how, how does it i'm trying to make w- sense when
2: it i was when i was in outer space it was the astral dimension because okay. it wasn't my physical body that was there; it was okay. the astral body that detached and went on yeah. the journey
0: okay i think the simple yeah. way of, of 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 making sense of that it's like we were watching dr Strange last night because <laughs> my, my son mm-hmm. is now into all his marvel things and he was like uh-uh. okay i watched avengers but who is that dude? So I like, okay, now I'm gonna play Doctor Strange for you. There's one point where the the previous guardian hits his acid body out of him, mm. and so it's it's kind of like I mean, if I need to explain it to somebody as simple as possible, it's like it's basically your your soul, so to say, is just like gets moves out of your body. Mm. But um, that's another question as well. Like people, I've heard people also say that like um a lot of times we think that the soul is inside of the body when the soul is actually all-encompassing of, mm. of it. It doesn't necessarily live in the body. It could be actually over, like, force field around the body as well. Yeah. What's your take on that?
2: Yeah. I mean, every single thing, like your body, your emotions, your thoughts, all happen within the space that is you. Okay. Right? Um, yeah, and it's basically as plain as it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that, deep. that when yeah. asking,
1: um, So I've been studying if you can call it that like like dmt journeys never been on one and what i've discovered lately is where they say that entities are planting um not chips but almost like a biological um tracker in their heads and the reason why they're doing it is because they're not supposed to be in the realm so now i, I can it, it, it reminds me of what you what you're saying that
0: mm.
1: you shouldn't actually be there
0: i think are, are you referring to when you said you're not supposed to be there are you referring to um let's say the 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 um i'm gonna use the word loosely the overseers of 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 society yeah. not wanting us to be there or is it those beads there feeling that we shouldn't necessarily be the no, it's, it?
2: it's the overseers so it's here. yeah yeah oh. for my feeling it's the overseers mm-hmm. yeah. i
0: mean if, if you look at it as well we were talking about it earlier as well it's um we're governed by our five senses here on this on in this paradigm as mm-hmm. well so i mean if I, you actually mentioned in the clip as well about the, the the two opposing colors with the pepsi so they're playing both sides the reality mm-hmm. um they, they 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 do things to keep you um, kind of centered right here in this paradigm based on your senses. Mm. Not knowing that if you knew that if you can transcend your senses, well, then that's when you can find exactly. out
2: more. Exactly. Yeah. The, in in ancient Japan, the judoka, the so judo masters, mm-hmm. when the student got to a point where he was about to super, surpass the master or be on the master's level, this master would trigger certain pressure points in the student's neck to effectively kill him. And then the students would experience what it was like to die, would see that death is an illusion, and the master would bring him back. So that the students would be able to fight, not believing death is not real, but knowing, if they kill me now, I'll find myself in a different body. Mm -hmm. And this is such a source of power. Because in our culture, the taboo that we have made out of death is what limits everything. It means so many of our fears come forth from this primal urge of death. Even your entire fight or flight response is from this fear of death. So if there is no fear of death, you can be still.
0: Yeah, I think also like I I, I read it somewhere as well that like when 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 kids are born, <coughs> they don't know that they're gonna die. Mm. Yeah, this 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 basically two fears that they have, not being left alone and falling. Mm. So they don't know (laughs) that they're going to die. We end up telling them that, like, you know, oh, you are going to, you know, your life is going to come to an end. Now imagine you don't tell somebody that. Like, how different won't their perception of reality
2: be? It's like Siddhartha. Like who? Siddhartha is the prince who became the, who we now know as the Gautama Buddha. His father was a prince and before Siddhartha got born, this priest told his father, look, your son will be born and he'll either be a great king or he'll be a great holy man. Mm -hmm. And his father, obviously being a king, thought like, I don't want my son to be a damn holy man. (laughs) You know, I want him to be a king also. So Siddhartha's father shielded him from every single thing that could stir up some sort of spiritual Mm appetites, including that he didn't let his son know about death didn't let his son have contact with anything related to death, anything related to illness. See, until one day Siddhartha got out of the palace himself. And he saw that people are sick, people are dying. And then he realized, hey, but this is going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. So no matter what I do, no matter how many riches I have, this is still going to happen to me.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: No? And that is when effectively he started his journey to find a way to end suffering. No, once he saw what had been hidden from him the entire time, namely what you say and the fact that we're gonna die. Yeah,
0: yeah. But I think also it's like I, um, I think that's that's like a, a lot of 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 religions and um, spiritual, spiritual teachings, or let's just based on religion for now. Um, a lot is made <coughs> up about like you know um, the dying part and heaven and so forth and so forth, but also down to atone for what your, your shortcomings while you're here. And I think that's what has always intrigued me then about Egyptian mythology because they were like, look, we can see what's happening here. We want to know what's happening after we die. Mm. Like the whole thing was after you die, what happens mm. then? Because we can, over the eons, we've had people answer. And we, we, we're still learning things about this planet and about our existence right now, but over the eons, people have kind of explained like what life is. Mm. Nobody can explain what death is or what happens after, or the perception of what death is. Mm. So I've been very intrigued by um, Egyptian mythology. with mm.
2: oh. Yeah. I haven't gotten too much into Egyptian mythology myself, mm. but it's very interesting. Yeah, I find it really interesting as well. People always wonder about what happens when you, after you die, yeah. but never what happened before you were born
0: yeah
1: it's yeah, really interesting yeah
2: because yeah it's weird it's, it's really it's weird it's it's whereas the, it's the same what... thing
0: yeah <laughs> because this this the the notion or the thought that like when you die the light that you see is the light that you see when you're being born like that's that's the um the notion yeah,
2: yeah like the light you see is basically the next vagina you're coming out yeah. of yeah <laughs> that's that's what they say
0: I, I find it weird that
1: we even we as humanity we don't really know our history or or hmm. like um a solid proof as to where humanity started from. Mm. Yeah, that's why the the the, the, um, the Sphinx and all that fascinates us because we we, we, we don't have a clue what mm. what's happening in this realm, yeah. let alone what happened before we enter this realm. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. always like
0: the unexplainable man, like like um with the Sphinx and, and the pyramids, for instance. Mm. It's like you know they want to say like it's it was beans from outer space or they will say like okay it was the egyptians themselves they were mm. of a higher level at that time um but they can't explain exactly how it was made why it was made all those things um yeah and and there's there's unexplainable yeah. stuff but i think it's also it's purposely kept away i think it's, it comes down to that um that overseers thing that we just mm. spoke about. It's, it's purposely kept away because yeah. if you've got like, how much billion people are we on this planet now? About six, seven, six, seven billion. Eight,
2: maybe, yeah. maybe 15. It could be, faster, <laughs> I asked for like four
0: billion, <laughs> but yeah. So, so like, how do you keep all those people in check? Uh-huh. You know, it's that simple. That's how I look yeah. at it. It's like, if we, like you're saying, if you can effortlessly travel out there to space, and like I mean, if you can do that, then what more can't you do? Do,
1: mm. you, do you know that the the um, I think it's the U.S. government is um, pro, they've got um, patients and they're prolonging the DMT uh, experience to study and map it. Mm.
2: Okay, you're talking about uh, Dr. Straussman.
1: I'm not. I'm not actually sure. So, I, th- I think it's happening in the states, or it's happening. I
2: think it's Cambridge. Mm. Really, I, th- I think it's Dr. Eric Straussman you're talking about, yeah. But it's this experiment you're talking about, where they had different volunteers on hospital beds in a very good setting, and they basically dripped DMT mm. into their arms T- every 15 minutes. Yeah, because
1: yeah. the smoking is, is it, it it it's just it's a short mm. um, experience, but they obviously want to map it, and it needs you need more time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. But even for how they did it, it's in essence. I mean, every 15 minutes. Actually, I'm not sure about this. I wonder if, in their case, every 15 minutes when they drip more DMT into the system, if it would then be a new jump mm-hmm. or if they would stay where they've already jumped to. Mm-hmm. I have no they would be
1: curious. I just want okay.
0: to play this, this clip. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I saw this ge- Madre Ayahuasca.
1: <laughs> So when <laughs> I saw that one um, the first time, I was studying it. Uh, st- 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 studying it, what um, ayahuasca and DMT, and was dangerous, <laughs> 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 I was damn jealous, dude. So, so I've only experienced like like a not a real heroic, but a, like a decent amount of um, those of of, of psilocybin. Mm. So I wanna know how how does it compare. The, the, the ayahuasca experience with with the the, 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 the shaman that obviously guides you. Because um, I remember I said uh, on one of the Facebook groups, I said, guys, um, can you experience this at home or do you have to go to, 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 to Peru and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. And I think you you mentioned it, dude, it's not something that you just do at home. It's like a mm-hmm. whole journey. It's a process. You prepare yourself. Yeah. You, have to, you have to um eat a certain way for five days, I think, it's mm. a certain diet you need to follow. Yeah. So just take me, for somebody that's, that's got no experience in, in, in that, how does it compare? If it can be compared, how does that work?
2: Mm. Well, first of all, the quality is very, very differently. Like um, mushrooms to me are a bit mischievous because <laughs> <laughs> mushrooms feel like a person, but you always have to remember they're not a person. You know, it feels like they have this personality But the personality can switch instantly Mm -hmm. you know like mushrooms for instance will convince you that something is true even when it's not because you need to believe that it's true to learn what you have to learn
1: that makes a hundred percent sense to me
2: like mushrooms can convince you that you're dying just so you can learn from the experience of believing you're dying even when you're not for example right whereas with ayahuasca it's uh it doesn't feel like her personality changes you know, it stays this loving mother mm. and she will always action the point of view of a loving mother where if you are an egotistical child and you don't want to listen to the mother then she'll have to slap you around so that you can come along with her whereas if you are easy humble child there's no reason for the mother to slap you around she'll take you by the hand and teach you okay and this is something that i experience very strongly on ayahuasca especially it was like my, my fourth or fifth ceremony in Peru with this lady that's making the ayahuasca and in the video, Selena. She was my shaman there. And um, I was really, really nervous <laughs> before this particular ceremony, you know, I just had this feeling of like being scared. Mm. And um, I drank the ayahuasca. And when she started to present herself to me, she just opened her arms. She took me into her heart and she asked me, boy, why are you afraid of your mother? And all this spheres just went away. Wow. It went away completely, because it's li- like I say, like the personality of ayahuasca is the mother, That's why they call her madre ayahuasca. Okay. Now, personality of San Pedro, for instance, is uh, like what you must they call it is the father. You know, and these personalities will always stay consistent, whereas with the mushroom, the personality like you think you know it, and then there's suddenly something different. Okay. You know, so it's uh, mischievous in that sense, I suppose. But, and then like this whole process that, you, uh, that they recommend for uh, ayahuasca. In essence, with ayahuasca, you do have to be more careful because I mean, ayahuasca has, I combination between chakruna, which is the DMT shrub that grows in the bottom of the jungle floor and the Banisteriopsis stereopsis carpi vine, which is the vine that grows about 20, 30 meters in the top canopy of the jungle, right? And um, what the Banisteriopsis capivine vine does, it contains uh, monoemo oxidase inhibitors, mm-hmm. which basically inhibits the function of your body to process the DMT as quick. So what would otherwise be a 15-minute trip if you smoke DMT on ayahuasca is like four to eight hours, depending on how you breathe and your breathing work. If you combine holotropic breathing with ayahuasca, you can make it last like eight, nine hours, really, really long, mm-hmm. and you stay in that zone for a long time. But um, because it has these monoanemo oxidase inhibitors in it, it, in essence, changes your biology of your body. So there's a lot of things that your system is not able to process anymore. For instance, foods that is too fermented, foods that have a lot of tyramine in it, which, for example, is cow uh, and Brazil nuts. And um, yeah, there's just a few different things <laughs> you oh, really know, need to so, watch. So, so the reason why
1: going on a diet for five days um, well, it's, just, it's
2: more than five five days what I say for the tourists oh, yeah, the okay. tour- actually for, for it to
1: work properly through, through, yeah. through
2: yeah it is firstly for it to work properly but secondly the point that I just made is that you don't want to put your system in a state where you cannot process certain stuff mm-hmm. and you can literally make yourself sick because if you have too much tyramine in your system you start to get headaches and you but know think, and you cannot process the tyramine yeah I
0: think that's with any Plant-based medication as well. It's like, well, like I've heard people say, some herbalists actually say that if you've got a whole lot of junk in your body, so to say, mm-hmm. then you might f- um, feel sick before you actually start yeah. feeling
2: better. Yeah. 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 And that's it also. that every single thing about your system, not even with ayahuasca, but your system in general is about purity. Purity is key. If your own system is pure, it's energized and it's conscious, your whole life will automatically become pure, energized, and conscious. So, when
0: you, when you, do you mean like an alkaline state, or not necessarily? Uh, not, not an not
2: alkaline state. Like, for example, if you would, if you would work with um, psychedelic medicine to cleanse you out, mm. right? And you would be on a diet of basically just um, vegetables, nuts, maybe a bit of rice, a bit of lentils, you know. Then your system would just automatically purify itself and this is the thing that people don't understand a lot of people that in life you attract to yourself what is inside of you you see every single thing in life since everything is energy vibrates on a certain frequency right now if I want to attract something in my life of a certain frequency I first need to have this frequency in me I need to embody it for example money is on the same frequency Sure, sacral chakra, yeah. your stomach. You see, so if your stomach is pure, your stomach is clean. Automatically, you attract money. Mm. It can't go any other way. It just happens. And I know this because I've I've seen it for myself. I mean, I speak from experience. That's mm. I used to always have trouble with money, and after coming to Peru, going through all the mm. stuff, and continuing my work, it like it just flows. It just flows, and there's nothing that I have to necessarily do for it. I mean, one job could end, and here another job just pops up. You know, it just That's, happens that way.
0: It's funny you say that because you know, like, like in our communities, we always hear the <coughs> the thing that like money is the root of all evil and all this stuff. You know <laughs> that 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 type of um, mentality. And I was speaking to a friend of mine that now lives in London, and I don't know if, if we we heard about it, or if we watched. Um, something on YouTube, and he said like, this person was speaking about money having energy. So like like you just spoke now, and this person likened it to the sense of money is showing appreciation. Mm -hmm. So you're not buying something for the sake of like, or when you are buying something, you're paying paying the person that made it as appreciation. Like, I appreciate that you made this, and Mm -hmm. now I accept that. But we don't look at it like that. We're yeah. not looking at money in, in that sense because we don't believe that it's an energy at all, mm. or even it at a certain frequency. So that's that's actually cool. yeah.
2: This is actually a, this is actually a really interesting points, man. Because mm. it's true, yeah, that when we buy something, even though we're giving away this useless paper to gain something that's useful to us, we don't see it as in we're gaining something. We see it as in we're losing something. Yeah. Because we're losing money. Exactly. We're, not, we're, just,
0: we're just showing our appreciation. Yeah. That's what the money is exactly. for. Exactly,
2: and the money you can't do shit with. But yeah. what you're getting with it, you can. And still exactly. we feel like we're losing something. <laughs> yeah. But I used to be in the same vibe though. I also used to have this thing of like to be, to be properly spiritual, to be in tune. I shouldn't care about money, yeah. right? Because that's kind of the vibe that people always give off. The misconception. Yes. Yeah. And then because of this, I used to have judgments about rich people. You know, Nothing. I'll see somebody with money in a nice car. And the first thing I have this feeling of like, oh, fuck you. Why do you have such a nice car? Yeah. Or I'll be like, I oh, probably cheated someone yes. or he probably like got through this through some uh, bastardly means, you know. And um, then I went to my uh, to Vipassana retreat here in Worcester, which is 10 days of meditation, 10 hours a day and no eye contact, no communication, like just completely in yourself. And uh, twice a day, you get to speak to the guru. They fly the guru in from India to teach these students Vipassana meditation, which is the meditation that Siddhartha used to become the Buddha. They teach it for free. And then um, this guru, he told me, continue your Vipassana, purify your body, and you will see when your whole body is full of light, your whole life will be full of light. And you will see this in terms of opportunities, in terms of spirituality, in terms of family, but also in terms of women and in terms of money. And this is an enlightened guru who tells me this. Like if you become full of light, automatically you attract money. Yeah. You know, so then I kind of had this click, like, well, if I'm gonna stay on this path and attract it automatically, then who am I to not simply receive and say, I don't want this? And this is a really, really interesting thing too, man, that I've come to realize on my journey that a lot of people have an inability to receive and then they blame life for not giving them enough.
0: Yo, <laughs> you know, um, I was speaking to a friend of mine yesterday. You're talking about people having an inability to receive. Mm. There's actually an inability to ask as well. Like yeah. we don't know how to ask for stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I watched a TED talk about mm. this, this, this girl. Um, She's a performer of um, she's the, she, she busks um, she's a theater um, actress um, she's a singer blah 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 but her whole thing her, her TED talk was about the art of asking mm. and how she got to the point of realizing that we don't actually know how to ask but uh, in yeah. the same breath as well we don't know how to receive as well yeah it's
2: also um, interesting can feel
1: that, eh? mm. but being able to ask I would rather just do it myself type of thing yeah, yeah. It, you just make your life a bit more difficult yeah especially if you don't have
0: the skill yeah skill set to begin with yeah you you, you mentioned so, about the, um, the 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 misconceptions of like when you are spiritual then you know you can't live like a mundane life or you know um, or you can't be into what society into the money and all that stuff yeah um, I think that also lends itself to the duality thing it's like because we see everything as a left and a right as a good and a bad light and darkness whatever we not seeing that all of it is actually the same thing it's just varying degrees of mm. the same thing yeah. you know like the, they always ask the question like um, when do you know where, where does hot end where does cold begin like for temperature it's like just basically the varying degrees of the same thing temperature yeah um what do you think about yeah. like you mentioned light like the the um the the guru that was teaching that they flew down and talking about like until your whole body is light and stuff like that there's i think there's another misconception that i've found online where people is like i'm either doing light spirituality or i'm doing doing the dark arts or whatever what's your your take on that
2: um i think a lot of people in the space where they believe that to get enlightened mm-hmm. they must eradicate the darkness mm. It doesn't work. Becoming enlightened, you make Mm -hmm. the darkness conscious. And it's exactly how it is, like Gautama. Gautama means light and darkness in one. Hence Mm -hmm. why they call him the Gautama Buddha. You know, if there's any part of you that feels like a demon to you, it's basically a demon because you have not given it love, because you have not accepted it. Mm -hmm. And I've come across people in Peru, because when I was staying with Elena, my shaman, I mean, I stayed there for six months. And uh, I saw a lot of people that would come there, stay there for a few days, prepare for the ceremony. Then they would go, not do a ceremony with her, but go to a more expensive place, which I couldn't afford. And they would go there, do the ceremonies, then come back to Elena's place, chill there for a few days before going back home. So I got to see a whole lot of people chilling before the ceremonies and then after their ceremonies and the difference you see in people is amazing but the biggest difference i saw in people were people that would tell me that they saw a demon pop up in front of them and all they could do was give this demon love and with those people i could really see beforehand there was something bothering them they were uneasy they were jumping always having to like go get tea go make food go read a book always having to do something because there was this uneasiness in their core and then once they had faced a demon, a literal demon, you no know, appearing to them and them giving it love, once they had done that, they were easy. Of course, it's self-acceptance. That's.
1: Can I just mention okay. that? That makes sense to me because when I went through my depression, eh, a lot of people just said, um, just be positive.
2: Mm-hmm. Where,
1: where I try to, 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 to tell them, dude, it's, it's not that... Mm-hmm. It's easier said than done because yeah. mm-hmm. it's almost like your body... Refi- like, like I would say... Um, let me think of something positive. Your body doesn't allow you, your brain doesn't allow you to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So what so was, was, was vital for me to get out of it because it was, I can't really explain it, but it was like, you need to accept the, 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 the darkness and realize that yeah. everything, everything, like say, say, say you come out of the depression. It's not like, Every day is going to be just a positive day. you're going to have your bad days, you're going to have your good days. But the thing is, when you accept that bad day, so yeah. okay, this is a bad day. Okay, this let me deal with it mm-hmm. now yeah. and just move on. And you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, so in the same in the same light, I can I can see that there's a de- the the demon that you need to face. You need to, yeah. Yeah, but irrespective, of, I think irrespective, of, um, what you do, the demon will always be a part of your type of thing. Yeah. Something that you are be not proud of, or, yeah. um, like for me,
0: it's it's an anger issue. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I need to come come to come to, come come to, to terms you? with you. Yeah. yeah, it's like what's name? It's like um, huh? <clears throat> when I touch on the, the demon thing as well. But like I also suffer from depression as well, as well for the longest time, and I was telling my sister as well. Like I can end off my day like my day can start well, and I can end off my day like bad. And of late, I would say for the last couple of months, so to say, I've got this point where I just started to realize, you know what, as the sun sets, it rises, it rises the next day again, and there will be another opportunity for me. Yeah. You know, so that's like how I've kind of like just decided to navigate my depression. It's like, you know what, at the end of the day, I've got another chance. Like some mm-hmm. people die in their sleep, you know, then they don't have another chance in this reality yeah i've got another chance so let me just dude
1: i actually i'm actually glad i went to the depression right? yeah. because uh i hope i, I hope you don't think i'm i'm getting too personal but no, no, um when we were we were when i asked him to do the the, the podcast mm-hmm. was he probably a year and a half ago yeah um and then i had to put everything in place or whatever and i could see his depressed because i could i could see yeah. you know what i'm saying um, I could see my, what I went through and I could see it in him when I went to go visit him and for me it was like I needed to do this and, and remind him like dude let's do this man mm. for me so so so, so the posture itself was was a means to get him out of it and myself out of it mm. because I, f- I feel that once you focus on something especially hip-hop, or what what hop used to be for me back in the day what is it was a, it was for me to focus on something and in the process you think about stuff, Mm. But you, you, your main, your main um, attention is on this this yeah. the stuff that you need to do, mm. and and did you give you give it, you don't give the depression that much clout. Yeah. So you can you can think about it. Okay, so mm. I need to do that and that, in the process of doing this stuff. Yeah. it makes sense. Mm.
0: Yes, it's like what's in like. You know, we we can kind of going off, but it's fine. But, yeah, it's, that's,
2: it's, it's fine. It's podcast. podcast. A lot of yeah. people do this for depression, though. I think a lot of people get started on the spiritual journey because of depression. Yeah. Um just to, 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 to piggyback on what you were saying then, it was like
0: um I was telling my sisters, well